And he, he tells them, you know, if you, whatever you ask for in prayer, you're going to get it. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed. And he gives that lecture, and this is where we join that story. After that lecture, verse 23. Now, when he came into the temple, the chief priest and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching. They, they actually interrupted his sermon. And said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Because for them, this is Mary's son, the carpenter. How come he's teaching with such authority that people begin to say, was it in God will you? You know? Verse 24. But Jesus answered and said to them, I will also ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. It's one of those Jewish things where you ask a question and they answer you with a question. Someone asked a rabbi and says, why do you Jews always answer questions with questions? And the rabbi said, why not? Verse 25. The baptism of John, this was Jesus' question, where was it from? From heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves saying, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? You see, if you truly believe the message of John, and if they had truly believed the message of John, they would end up coming to Jesus. Because John's preaching was simple. This is the, 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 the lamb that takes away the sin of God. And he referred to Jesus. But they didn't want that because Jesus was a threat to the, to the current establishment. Verse 26. But if we say from men, we fear the multitude. For all count John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus and said, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. So uh, Jesus is not finished. He's, he's coming in for the kill. So he tells them this parable. But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterwards, he regretted. He regretted it and went. Then he, then he came to the second and said likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, the first. And Jesus said, Assuredly, as I say to you, that the tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when they saw it, you did not, sorry, and when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. That's hard hitting, isn't it? But I want you to see that the chief priests. And the elders were having problems with the authority of Jesus Christ. That's, that's, that's where the problem was. From this passage, we see two kinds of responses to the authority of Jesus Christ. And let me say here that all of us have issues with authority. Before we plunge into something, we want to know if the authority is legit. But these guys, they came to confront Jesus. This was not because they wanted to validate, because, but it was because they wanted to confront. At this point, they have already made the decision that we need to find a way to kill him. So sometimes you may be sent by somebody to go and do something, and people will say, what do man done? And when you mention the name or the office that sent you, they go, oh, okay, fine, that, that's in order. You, you've, have you experienced that? 
This, this is pretty much what is happening, except their intentions are not right. So there are two types of responders to, to the call of God. The first type are the rethinkers, what I call the rethinkers. Verse 29, he goes to the first son and he says, I want you to go and work in my vineyard. The son said, I will not. Okay? I don't want to go into the vineyard. But afterwards, he thought about it. He regretted it and then he went to do what the father had asked him to do. Who would blame him? It wasn't his vineyard, was it? It was his father's vineyard. It was, he, he, the father could have had him work in that vineyard and not even share with him the proceeds from that vineyard. And everybody, I think, comes to that point in life where you say to yourself, let me do my own things. Everybody comes to that point. And there's nothing wrong with that. I believe that everybody in life should be employed at one point or another. And you are employed to get equipped so that you can deploy yourself. Did you hear that? You get employed so that you could be equipped, then you can deploy yourself. Every, that just seems to be the cycle of things in life. Jacob, it happened to Jacob as an example. He went to his uncle Eben, he was employed for 14 years and some. But there came a point where he said, no, 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 no. Let me set myself up as well. And he deployed himself. But he had learned a lot under his uncle Eben. Okay? So these things of, oh, I'll work until retirement and I'll see what else to do. You better start planning now. What have you equipped yourself with so that when the time of your deployment comes, you are ready for it? And it doesn't have to wait for retirement. Amen? It doesn't have to wait for retirement. You can start when you are ready for deployment. Sometimes it means deploying yourself even as at, at the time that you are in employment. But the, the issue is that many of us do not like to work for someone else. I remember there was a time um, I sat on an interview panel. We were recruiting for sales representatives for a particular project. And we, we had different kinds of people come and go into that interview. I remember two young women. The first one, after we had done, we had completed the interview and we asked her, is there any question, any comment? She said, yes. Uh, so where will my desk be? In that office, we had two, three desks. She said, where would my desk be? We were looking for 20 sales representatives. And this person, we, we were just surprised with her question. Because the nature of a sales representative's job is that you go out more than you should be in the office. And here she was asking, where will my desk be? <laughs> there was another one who asked, when we asked her for, for any, any, any comment, we gave her the opportunity to give us um, comments and, and, and questions. She, she, she just had one question. When do I start? And we said, well, in about two days, we'll have finished the whole process. We'll let you know. She said, okay. And she went. By the time this project was closed, the one who was looking for a desk performed really badly. It was commission-based work. She performed really badly. The one who asked, when do I start? Up to this day, she runs her own business. By the time she had finished with the sales representative's job, she was smart. 
she she had built a database from the people she had she had uh, she had met with and before long she was prospecting for some goods and services she was going to provide and people would pay her deposit she went to south africa got stuff and provided to these people that was the beginning of her of her business i caught up with her a few years later and i was asking her where are you doing where are you now what are you doing and she said this is what i'm doing i said where did you start she said e, from that job that you gave me she deployed herself but the tragedy of our generation is that there are a lot more people who want to have a job, but they don't want to work. They just go to the office because it puts food on the table, but they don't want to work. Have you met those kinds of people? Usually their attitude is, is not something you like, because they're just doing it because it's a job. It's not something that comes from the heart. And I think this is where this son was. He was saying, you know what? This is not my vineyard. The fruits are not mine. I'm going to do all this work. Why bother? No, I will not go. He tells the father. But I think somewhere he thought about what he was doing and realizes, oh my goodness, this is a mistake. And the Bible says that he regretted it. You know, the pain of regret is a nasty business. When you regret things, that pain is more painful than the pain of growth or anything else. There are several things I regret in my life. And I'm sure you have your own. But God gives us a second chance. Actually, not a second chance. He gives us another chance because we have exhausted the tool by now, haven't we? He keeps giving us another chance. And he comes back to his senses. And probably the regret comes from realizing, this is my father's vineyard. It is as good as mine. If I don't do this, my father will suffer. He'll probably have to, to hire people to do something, for, something which I can do for free and will save some money. I don't know what his thought process was or the kind of things that he thought about. But when he thought about it, we are told that he regretted. And after regretting, he rose up and did the work which he initially said he was not going to do. Haven't you been like that? I have. God called me into ministry when I was a young man, 20 years old. The, God told me, the Lord told me, this is what I want you to do with your life. And I said, yes, Lord. Okay? And I started. But at some point, I regretted that decision. Mostly because of the things that brothers and, and sisters did in the ministry, which I thought, ah, even here. We will be doing this kind of, even here. You know, there are some things you expect from people who don't know the Lord. Okay? If they behave in a certain way, you say, I understand where they are. But for brothers in the Lord to be doing the things that people who are not in the Lord are doing, you say to yourself, where, where are we missing it? So I got out and decided to go my own way. But you know, there comes a time when you meet with yourself. For me, it's usually before I go to bed. That's when I meet with myself. And I realized, no, let me go back to doing what God has called me to do in life. And God, being merciful as he is, he allowed me to come back. 
He didn't have to because he had raised other people. But he didn't have to, but he allowed me to come back. Most of us are the rethinkers. And I pray that you rethink the responsibilities God has called you to. If it is the responsibility of being a parent, rethink it. Because most of us, parenting has been relegated to multi-choice. Eh? It's what is raising those children in terms of values. And we'll regret it one day. May you rethink it. For others, parenting is something that you have given to the uncles or to the aunties. Talk to your auntie. Uh, there's a place for our, our, our support system, a social support system for the aunties and uncles. But primarily, it is our responsibility. May you rethink that one. Let's rethink our responsibility of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. Amen? Most of us think, oh, that is the work of the evangelist. Uh-uh, it is your work too. As far as I know, in the Bible, it does not relegate really that to any type of ministry. It, that is a responsibility for us as believers to take up and share Christ with others. It's not difficult. Just speak about what Jesus has done in your life to others and you leave the results to God because one day, one day, those who heard it will rethink. Amen? So the first person, the first type of response is coming from the rethinkers. They said they did not want to do it, but after thinking about it and God shows them some things, they begin to say, no, 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 I've changed my mind. I would rather work with somebody who decides they have changed my mind, their minds after evaluating things. It's better to work with a person like that. Even though initially they may have said, no. When they come back, I would rather work with that person. In uh, the parable of the lost son, who went and... Um, squandered his inheritance to the point that his life was like that of a pig. He would share food with pigs. The Bible says that he, he, there was a point where he met with himself and he came to his senses. That's the phrase the Bible uses. It says it came to his senses and says, my father's servants, at least they have a salary, they are able to buy decent food. I'll go back to my father and say, consider me one of your servants. Because at least there you will have some decent food. Aren't you glad he came to his senses? You know, there are people who have left the faith. There are people who have left KICC. Let me challenge you. If they came back, are you going to have the response, the heart of the father to rejoice with the one who has come back? Or you're going to have the heart of the elder brother? You have never done this for me. You have never had a party thrown for me. But this one who was gone and he squandered his inheritance, he comes back and you throw him a party? Which one are we? Let's rethink it. We know people who have left us for one reason or another. What if they came back? Would you be caught saying, this pastor, how can they take them back? The way they left the things they said, the things they did. And now here we are celebrating with them that they are back. Or are you going to be like the father who said, welcome back. We might need to talk about some things, but welcome back, we're glad you're back. 
Those are the rethinkers. When God gives you a responsibility, even though you may have abdicated it or said you would not do it, rethink it. God will give you another chance. Amen? The second group are in verse 30. The Bible says that he came to the second son and said likewise. And in other words, telling him to go and work in the vineyard. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. You know those kinds of people. This one, no, no. if you're in Zimbabwe, they say, no problem. Don't worry about this, no problem. And then later on, he realized there was a problem. Because they were just saying it to please you. In Malawi, we might not say no problem, but it's the actions that we do. Have you ever realized that? Have you ever experienced that? It's an enigma of a person, this one. Because they speak the lingo, but they don't put it into practice. They know what to tell you. Ah, yes, pastor, don't worry, this one will happen. It's, it's as good as done. But then the weeks come and go. And they come and go, to the point that they go and come. Because there are people who are paying lip service to what God has called them to do. In Malawi, many times I've been in meetings, uh, corporate meetings, I've been in meetings, church meetings, and parachurch organizations, and I've seen something which, which is termed the corridor committees. You're sitting in a meeting, you discuss something, and you make a decision. This is what we're going to do, all right? Meeting closed. It's been minuted. People have been given responsibilities. You come in the next meeting, you realize that one didn't do that, that one didn't do that, and you're wondering what's going on. But what is going on is that when you got out of the meeting, there were these corridor committees, what I call corridor committees. It's where people say, ha, you know, Sister Brent, even though that's what we agreed in there, I did not agree. In fact, I think this is a bad idea. You see, so already somebody who was in that meeting is sabotaging everything that group agreed to do. Usually, that's what happens in Malawi. Don't worry. But they don't come. And there you are. You are budgeted for 300 people. And you, you only half show up. And you have a lot of waste. May we not be like that. The Bible says, let your yes be yes. And your no be no. If we say, this is what we're going to do. And this is how we are going to do it. And you think differently. I would rather you say, Pastor, I have a different kind of thought. What if we did this, 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 and we did this, this, this? That is better than someone saying, yes, we'll do it, and then not do it. Those of you who are parents, you know. When you say, go and do something, and the kid says, yes, I'm going to do it. And they disappear. Ten minutes later, you're wondering, ah. But where is my tea? They are somewhere playing. They didn't want to get you that tea. I would rather work with somebody who say, you want your tea? Okay, fine. I will not do the tea, but I'll have it made for you because I'm doing something else. Now you appreciate, oh, okay, this person is busy. They are doing something else. And it's the same thing with God. When God calls us, he gives us a responsibility. May, not, may we not be the people who say, I will go. These ones, by the way, I call them the hypocritically rebellious. It's not just hypocrisy you're dealing with. You're dealing with rebellion. 
And these two are big issues before God. May we not be those who respond with hypocrisy and rebellion. Because you know, rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. <laughs> and God, with witchcraft, there's only one way. If you don't repent, die. So these are hard things. But the Bible says, says in James chapter 2, verse 26, that as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. You cannot say, I will do this and not do that. You become untrustworthy. You become somebody who is not trustworthy. And you begin to sabotage the things that need to happen in the kingdom of God or anywhere else you are placed for that matter. It's sabotaged from people like this. I remember there was a time we needed to celebrate, was it the fifth or whatever birthday of KICC? And I remember pastor was like, oh, we're going to invite people and all these things. And there were, there were task forces to handle all these things. That, ah, You know, it, it was a sad day when the visiting preacher and his entourage were more than the members of KICC. Celebrating the birthday of KICC. And pastor said, I will never do this again. <laughs> because the people are not trustworthy. And I think the following year we had a bride, I think, at, in, in Area 4. We, had a bride, we, just, we just called each other and said, we are going to celebrate with, with food among ourselves, bring and share. Because last time we got a visiting preacher, we were embarrassed. But people said, we will come. We will come. But they did not come. That's what God feels like with the responsibilities that he's given to you. And you say, yes, I will do it, but you're doing nothing. May it not be so. Let me now go into the third part of, 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 of my message today and explain a few things that Jesus Christ explained rather. In chapter 21 of the book of Matthew, Jesus says in verse 31 and 32 that the two sons represent the two groups. They were the sinners who re repented and believed as opposed to the leaders of the day, the chief priests and the elders, who did not repent even though they saw what God was doing. They did not want to repent. They saw harlots coming to the Lord. They saw tax collectors coming to the Lord. They saw drunkards coming to the Lord. Demon-possessed people coming to the Lord. But they decided they were not going to change their minds, even though God was giving them a second chance. Even though God was giving them another chance. They decided we will not because they had issues with the authority of Jesus Christ. In the parable of the tenants, where the master, parable of the talents rather, not tenants, where the master entrusted the talents to his three servants in Matthew chapter 25. You just take these verses down. Matthew 25 verse 14 to 28. This man is going away on a trip and he gives three of his servants some of his talents, like money or assets, which he wanted them to invest. When the master gave the talents, the first two servants, the Bible tells us in verse 16 and 17, that they went at once and put the money to work. When did they go? At once. They did not rethink it. They just said, this is what the master wants, this is what we're going to do. 
they did not rethink it. And the Bible tells us that these people used that money and gained even more money with it. The master was pleased with the first two and they got rewarded. This is where now the master says, enter the joy of your master. Okay? Because they, he had been pleased with his servants who simply took the talents at his word, they went out in the market and traded with that money and made even more money. The third servant hid his talent. He hid the money. And according to his words, he said, I knew that you are a harsh master. You are one who, saw, who reaps where you did not sow. So I was afraid and I hid the talent. And the master, we don't know if this is really who the master was, but he used his own words to judge him. And he said, look, you knew that I'm this kind of person. At least you would have put the money in the bank and it would have gained interest. But you just hid it. No added value whatsoever with the responsibility that he was given. And God wants us to add value with the responsibility he has given us. When you spend time fulfilling the responsibility God has given you, add value. Whatever little God has given you to do, do it to such a point that it multiplies. Amen? Do it to such a point that it multiplies. That what you are putting your efforts into bears much more fruit than you would on your own. It is actually counterintuitive, but it's possible. I want you, for example, and... Uh, Auntie Brenda, when you're dealing with the kids at King's Kids, I want you to give it your best. I want you to give it your all. Sister Franklin, when you're dealing with the kids, give it your best. Give it your all. To the point that the kids become better than you. But you know, they will always remember. We had these ladies at Sunday school. The master will be pleased. When you pray, pray for those kids. When you play those drums, Brother Lighton, give it your best. And say to yourself, my role is to help people come into the presence of God. In hell, my role is with the drums. Give it your best. Pray for them. Pray for the people that the music will minister to them. Amen? That's what we're talking about. Multiply it. Get somebody else, begin to coach them in what you do because you want to replace yourself. Coach them into what you do and say, this is how we do it and give them the freedom to do it their way. The challenge before us is that fear kills faith. The responsibilities God has given you, if you are afraid to put them into practice, you kill faith. And faith, we are taught in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. The book of Hebrews, chapter 11, from verse 1. We are taught that faith is the substance of things that are hoped for. It is the evidence of things that are not seen. The things are there, but they are not seen. I remember yesterday, Pastor Matthew was preaching, and he said that he was in a place where he was praying for people, and God was just healing people. God was just healing people, and the lady came to him, and she said that uh, when she was younger, she went through an operation and somehow they damaged her, her eardrum. So it didn't work. So they actually had to just remove it. 
And the lady said, I want you to pray for me that I'll hear again. <laughs> and he was challenged. He was like, Lord, this one needs a lot of faith, even from me. <laughs> and God showed him that there are spare parts in heaven. And, and he prayed. He said, Lord, I am praying. Give her another eardrum. They blocked her ear, which was good, and had people whisper. She could, she could hear. New eardrum. But here's the thing. You know, faith sees things which are there, but they are not seen. There's an eardrum somewhere. Your responsibility is to pray for the manifestation of that thing. Amen? That's faith. And when we go to verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You cannot please God except through faith. Such that when his word gives you a responsibility, your response is to be that of faith. And say, God, this is what your word says to me. At once, this is, I'm going to do it. Unless he tells you to wait for, a, for an appointed time. But at once, go and do it. God always responds to faith. Anything other than a response of faith to God is sin. Romans 14 verse 23. And it is the just that walk by faith. And faith comes from the word of God. Amen? Faith comes from the word of God. God is faithful. And he's not about to change being faithful. But we need to respond in a way that pleases him. Even if it means you are going to rethink your original position and say, Lord, in the past I said I would not do it. But I regret it. So I'm coming back. God will take you in. Trust me, God will take you in. And you'll say, alright, well that opportunity went, but for now you begin here. Begin there. And move forward in faith and you will please God. Amen? Hallelujah. So, have you settled the question of the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives? Who gave you the authority of being a parent? Who gave you the authority of being a husband, being a wife, being a child, being a teacher, being whatever it is God has given you the authority to be? How do you respond to carrying out that responsibility? Or are you like the other servant who responded in fear? Or the one who was hypocritical and rebellious, saying all the right things? You know, it's going, to be, it's going to be really sad that when we get to glory, you turn around and there's nothing for you in terms of rewards. You will be, the book of Corinthians says that you will be like one who has gone through the fire. All the works that you did burned up in the fire. May it not be so with us. Amen? That comes from somebody who is paying lip service. They just want to look like everything is okay when it is not. May that not be our, our, our portion. Whatever responsibility God has given you, don't say, oh yes, I will do it and not do it. It will be sad to see that all your works have gone up in flames. I think it's First Corinthians 2 or 3. 
But when God tells us, even though initially we disobeyed, may you rethink your position and say, God, I'm coming back to you. And I'm giving my all. Hallelujah. And God will take you in. You cannot fulfill your responsibility without a response of faith to the Lord. I pray that you get rid of fear and do that which the Lord is asking you to do. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, we want to thank you for your word. We thank you for the challenge you've given us today to take our responsibilities seriously. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus, O oh God, speak with us. Help us to rethink where we are in the responsibilities that we carry as your children in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we have prayed. Amen and amen. Amen. Are there any who have brought a tithe this morning?